You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, and thrilled to be here with you. And um, I want to, of course, uh, thank my show sponsor, which is uh, ProSense Pet Products and our retailers who support us, like Walmart and Target, where you can go out and get phenomenal products for your pets at retail, mass retail pricing. I mean, vet products are great. And I hear at my hospital, I of course sell some really good stuff, but we try to bring veterinary quality to you at mass market prices. So hopefully you appreciate it. As a matter of fact, anyone who calls into our show, either phone, emails, or sends me a little uh, text question here on the show just by getting me at Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Or you can go on to, if you're following us live, You can go to the bottom of the Join the Conversation and just type in a question, and we will get a hold of you. We will send you out a free ProSense pet product for your pet. So anyway, it is 1 o'clock here in not-so-sunny Southern California. I'm sure you're all sick and tired of hearing me say how gorgeous it is here in Los Angeles. And today... We've actually had very gray, cloudy skies, some rain, which is good because they're going to get some snow up in Mammoth in about uh, two weeks. I'm heading up there. But it is uh, 4 o'clock back east, and I usually start the show wanting to hear from you. I want to answer your questions, anything, especially your dogs and cats. If it's something I can't answer about an exotic pet, I will go get the answer for you, and we'll talk about it next week, and you still get the credit and the free ProSense pet product. But I also saw in the news piece, there was a story that was in the Boston Globe a couple of days ago, and it just blew my mind. And here's one, seriously, folks, I know you're pet lovers. You wouldn't be listening to Pet Life Radio. You wouldn't be tuning into our show. But this is one where I'm not going to ask you, would you like to call in? I'm not going to give you hell for not calling in. I definitely want to hear from you because I want some opinions. But the story was that there in Sochi, where they're about to launch the Winter Olympics for 2014, there was a story coming out that apparently, as in many large cities, there is a problem with loose dogs, pet overpopulation. These dogs running around, obviously, maybe soiling the streets. And their solution is to drive around and kill these dogs, sometimes shooting them dead in the streets, capturing them and taking them to put them to sleep. And that just irked me. I hope it irks you too. And I have my own solutions that I think would be a lot more effective. I mean, with all the stuff going on with Sochi and this year's Olympics and all the bad press for various reasons they've been getting, wouldn't it be nice to do something really positive. And I think that dealing with this problem properly, the way I think it should be dealt with, that it could give them so much great press. And um, anyway, just curious to know. Give me a call here at Pet Life Radio. Easy number, one 385 8882 Go ahead and just join the conversation or send me a quick little note to Jeff. that's Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com. 
and let's hear what you have to think and what your solution may be. Hopefully, it's a better solution than the current one because the current one isn't really pretty. I think it's terrible. As you're thinking, getting your phones out and start dialing 877-385-8882. I do want to say it was funny. I was listening to Arden Moore's show, Oh Behave, on the, uh, just, just before this show, and her guest was Burt Ward. Years ago, when he lived closer to in the West LA area, now he lives, he's got a big animal sanctuary. He is a major, major animal nut, but he was one of my clients. And I believe as I'm, oh, it's got to be t- close to 20, over 20 years ago. And I think he had Great Danes. I know he had some really, really big dogs, but uh, he is a, a great, great dog and pet and animal enthusiast, which is great. Has a wonderful sanctuary, commits a lot of his time to saving the helping animals. And also the fact that, I don't know if he even mentioned it on the show, but very impressive. Burt Ward is a speed reader. He can read a book that might take us several days, week, or several weeks, he could probably read a 500-page book in one sitting. It's amazing. It's a skill apparently developed a long time ago. I don't know if you remember way back, the Evelyn Wood, who used to have this reading dynamics, and she used to teach the art of speed reading. I don't know whether he uses that technique or another, but man, this guy can read a book as fast as he can turn the pages. Quite the genius. Anyway, I would like to, uh, to hear from you about what is going on, the plight of these animals in Sochi, the 2014 Winter Olympics. How many have already heard of this story? How many of you are not going to watch the Olympics because of this? So I think these are some things that I'd like to hear from you we need to talk about. Go ahead and just call on in at 877-385-8882. I think it's really, really important. In the meantime, while we're doing this, I do want to just talk about, I had some, you know, a very, very sad case, and it, it brings me back to a discussion we had several weeks ago. And one of my really good friends, a guy that I play basketball in a league with, had to put his 11-year-old chocolate Labrador to sleep yesterday because of bone cancer. And I mean, certainly bone cancer is a tough disease. It's practically, ultimately 100% fatal in that dogs that have it, even dogs with treatment, appropriate treatment, don't have a long time and we're going to end up putting them to sleep. Unfortunately, it's not something they usually die from. It's something we put them to sleep because of. And as I was you know, talking about the dog, and I, and I didn't really start taking care of Rocco, his dog, until, until we started playing ball together. But he had Rocco neutered very young because, interestingly, the recommendations were at the time that we should be neutering and spaying our dogs around six months, usually females just before their first heat. The tightrope, you want to get them until, especially with the small breeds, we want to wait until all their adult teeth are in so we can at the same time solve the problem of retained deciduous teeth. We don't want to knock them out twice in a month period, once to spay neuter, and then a month later to pull the baby teeth that haven't fallen out on their own. So we like to wait until all the adult teeth are in, and that way we'll know which baby teeth are still there that might need to be pulled and do it at the same time as a spay-neuter. And then the study came out linking a very strong likelihood of a link between early spay-neuter and increased incidence of bone cancer. This study happened to take place with Rottweilers, but we can probably extrapolate to any large breed dog who does get bone cancer. And the statistics were frightening. 65% greater incidence in long bone cancer in the male and a 35% increased incidence of long bone cancer in the female that were pre-pubertally spayed or neutered. That's huge. Absolutely huge. So 
A lot of municipalities out there are so concerned about overpopulation and mistaken breedings, etc., that they are enforcing spay-neuter by four months of age. First of all, my opinion, never spay or neuter at four months of age. And now so much more is coming out at the other end of the spectrum, the spectrum that, you know what, it might not be so great to spay and neuter these dogs and cats so early. Let the females have a heat. Let their teeth come in first. Let the males reach sexual maturity as well and especially the large breeds, so we can help a at least 65% help the incidence of long bone cancer as adult dogs. And sure enough, poor Rocco was neutered very early. And uh, in fact, interesting, now that I have heard of this study, I made it my business to ask the owners of the dogs that I had to put to sleep because of bone cancer, when were their pets neutered or spayed? And interestingly, the last batch were male, so in this case was neutered. And um, I'd say... I think all but one were neutered very early, which before the study came out, we had no idea that there was that type of link between the two. So I think very, very important. Back off. Have your veterinarian. If your veterinarian has any questions, let them look it up. The study on the link between bone cancer and the large breeds and early spay neuter. But you're certainly a veterinarian can write a letter that can excuse the early spay neuter. I know in LA, that, like to get a license is cheap. I think it's 10 or 15 bucks. But if you have it, and that's for neutered or spayed dog, and if it's not neutered or spayed, it's like ridiculous, like $400 or some really crazy, a crazy amount. And you know, you can have your veterinarian write a letter that can excuse the early spay neuter for medical reasons. I truly believe that knowing the 65% or 35% greater incidence in bone cancer, that's a pretty darn good medical reason. And that is something that you guys should ask your veterinarian, but do not rush. And as I said, there's a lot of studies out there now. And I know, again, a lot of them are coming from more of the the naturopaths that are possibly a little bit swayed in the other direction, but they are also promoting not spaying or neutering. I think that's going a bit too far, my personal opinion. But if a client comes to me and says, you know what, I think I really want my dog to have one heat and spay them after the first heat, but before the second, you know what, fine by me. As a matter of fact, we do know, and one of the reasons why, just so you know, that we do recommend earlier spay is be because the incidence of mammary cancer is reduced dramatically, high 90s percentile, if you spay before the first heat. But if you let them have one heat and spay after the first heat, but before the second, you still have about an 80, 85% risk reduction. That is still really, really good. And um, unfortunately, the risk reduction drops to practically nil, zero, if these dogs have a second heat or a litter on the first heat, which we never recommend anyway. So I'm a become more of a proponent of even the small breeds. One heat, it's okay, because they're coming up with a lot of other positive aspects to letting these dogs reach sexual maturity and having heat first. So um, large breeds, because the bone cancer thing, I've sold. Small breeds, I really leave it up to the owner. I'll give as much information as I can, tell them to do some homework, and whatever they want to do is fine with me, as long as we both agree that we will be spaying or neutering this dog for that second heat. Anyway, uh, again, I'm, I'm still waiting to hear from somebody. I want to know if you guys have read that article. You can look it up. It was in the Boston Globe, the article about how they plan to handle the pet, mostly dog, overpopulation problem in Sochi as we are approaching the 2014 Winter Olympics. And honestly, guys, it made me sick in my stomach. So it would be great to hear from you. So let me know. So while you guys are getting the courage to call me in this, the approaching second part of our half hour, we are going to um, break for a quick 
commercial interruption, and then we'll be right back here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber. We'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Swipe It's a revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair, but anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T. Yes, a simple solution for shedding. Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here at Pet Life Radio. And also I wanted to thank again one of our new... Uh, sponsors, which is Pet Health Network. Again, a lot of this information we talk about, you can find at Pet Health Network. We did get a little uh, quick question about whatever happened to the black lab, the blind lab that one of my clients found literally aimlessly walking the streets. Believe it or not, we found the owner and was reunited with the owner. And uh, how amazing. The dog got out of the yard. And uh, of course, though the nose, it interestingly, that area that it was found was one of the areas a dog walks when they take him for a walk. So it's as if either the dog was looking for the owner and knowing by the nose, by the scent, where to go. But I think that was amazing, actually fascinating. And also, I just put a little note to all of you. So listeners, give us a call or join our conversation. I want to hear from you. Too many bashful people. There's no way that there are people listening right now that either know of the story or did not know but have just heard about the story and aren't as perturbed as I was to hear. So I want to hear from you. 
Anyway, also, there's another interesting thing that came up, and I don't know if any of you have animals, especially dogs, that are type 1 diabetics. Now, when cats get diabetes, they typically get type 2 diabetes. And type 2 diabetes is adult onset diabetes, like people get that are usually overweight. And that is one, uh, that's the more common type of diabetes that we see in cats. Dogs, however, regardless of age, and it's usually is a more, it is more of an adult onset, will get type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes has nothing to do with obesity, and it is a type of diabetes that we call insulin-dependent diabetes. These dogs actually have a, for some reason, whether it's just a disease of the pancreas, of the islet cells, the islet Isle of Langerhans cells are the cells that will produce the insulin, and these islet cells will just stop working, stop functioning, might be disease, might be a virus. We don't know why, but it is the equivalent of the juvenile onset diabetes that people have. Anyway, so we were working with this dog, and this is very interesting because it's something you want to know about, that I don't know if, if any time you've been, had a, a dog with diabetes and you are trying to, you know, early in the stage, we have to deal with trying to what we call titrate the dose of insulin. We start based on weight. It might be a unit per kilogram, depending on the insulin. And then we monitor, we do what's called the blood glucose curve, monitoring the glucose, monitoring the glucose or the sugar in the urine until we get to the right level. And so as we hopefully increase the amount of insulin, we will see a decrease in blood glucose, which is where we want. And we want to try to get the blood glucose to a range that might be a little higher than normal, but we want to get it definitely less than 200 uh, micrograms because what happens is that's the level at which the urine will pick up the excess blood sugar. So we'll end up with urine glucose as well. It's called the urine threshold, the kidney threshold for glucose. So if you have, if you see typically glucose in the urine from like a urine dipstick or wherever you're going to monitor your pet's urine, you know that the blood glucose level is at least 250. So our goal is obviously we want to keep it below that, preferably in the mid to maybe high 100s. It's great to be under 200. You know, normal is about 110, 120. So down to 60 would be normal. You get down much below 60, then you got a problem. So sometimes what will happen is as you're titrating, you're, you're increasing your insulin, you know, of course, under, you know, the veterinary supervision. And all of a sudden you reach a point where you were bringing the blood sugar down, down by raising the insulin, everything was working great. And all of a sudden, your blood sugar is skyrocketing again. And you're going, oh my God, what happened? Oh, there must be a problem. The owner's not giving it right. They're not going sub-Q. They're going intradermally instead of under the skin. The insulin was left out. Maybe they shook it instead of rolled it gently. You don't want to shake your bottle of insulin and therefore it's becoming ineffective. So you know what? We need to get some new insulin or do, try something, work again with the owner, make sure they're giving the shot properly. We want to then increase the insulin. Well, guess what? That might be doing you a disservice. There is something called a Simoji effect. And obviously, the guy that discovered this was named Simoji. And what it is, is sometimes because of possibly increasing the insulin a little bit too much, when the blood sugar drops too low, then the functioning portion of the pancreas, the blood sugar goes to work and starts overcompensating. So even though you're giving a ton of insulin, probably more than you need to, the blood sugar because of the Samoji effect, is getting actually higher instead of lower. And you think, so it's a mistaken high, and therefore you're sitting there panicking and starting to give even more insulin, and you're doing a disservice. So it's very important when you have a problem, speak to your veterinarian. If your veterinarian's having an issue, as we discussed with you last week or the week before, we talked about 
uh, when to refer, seek the opinion of an expert. You might want to call an internist and get some help managing this case. So surprisingly, I have not heard from any of you. I, I am rather surprised. So what I would, you know, basically one of the things that I thought about, and if you want to agree or disagree, you know, let me know. You can send me uh, an email to Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio. You can call in the next uh, several minutes we have left of our show, 877-385-8882. And um, here's what I think would have been a much better solution. Letting the world know that there is a problem with Street dogs, an overpopulation, and these dogs are all over the streets. So here's what we're going to do, world. We are making an increased effort. We're going to capture these dogs. We are going to set up temporary shelters in our city, and we are going to capture these dogs. We are going to clean them up, and we are going to spay and neuter those that aren't, which is probably hardly any of them. And then we will be allowing these dogs. These dogs will be available for adoption from those of you who are coming to attend the Olympics. Now, how cool would that be? What kind of souvenirs are you going to go home with if you are lucky enough to go see the Olympics? Are you going to get little pins that you can put on your shirt or your sweater or your hat? Or how cool would it be to say, I'm coming home with a Sochi Olympic dog? That would be great. Can you imagine the world opinion, how much better it would be if these dogs will be offered, available for adoption, and how many dog-crazy people, especially from Japan, especially from Western Europe, especially from the Americas, who would love nothing more. I mean, people do it already. I can't tell you how many clients I have that were vacationing somewhere, vacationing in Mexico and South America, you name it, and saw a stray dog, ended up bringing it back. I almost did it. I was in Mexico last year, and we almost brought back a stray, but we found out it wasn't a stray. So this would be, I think, a much better solution. You could still get these dogs off the street. You're building multi-gazillion dollar structures and buildings as it is for the Olympics. What would it be like to make some these temporary tents that you can build and use them to house these unwanted dogs? And if you did have to ultimately put them to sleep, don't do it by shooting them. They can be done humanely. And after the Olympic, spectators have had a chance to possibly adopt a pet and bring it home. Think about it. Get back to me. Let me know what you think of my suggestion. If you have others, we want to hear about it. So once again, we want to thank you for joining us here on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. We want to thank ProSense. We want to thank Pet Health Network. Of course, we want to thank Mark Winter, our producer. And we will see you here next week live here on Ask the Vets Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.